0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineout Podcast. Um, we will be doing two podcasts this week. Uh, this one is essentially our uh, weekly uh, wrap up of last weekend's action, with once again a, a primary focus on the Women's World Cup action in New Zealand, and obviously Canada's successful uh, bid to qualify for the quarterfinals. Um. We'll also be doing our quick uh, whip round of the URC, a quick look at uh, the table standings in the English Premier Shop um, and the top 14, all of which will have a bearing on the Heineken Cup, which will start in December. Um, So, yeah, we'll do all of that. And then also at the end of this week, um, we will be uh, doing another podcast which will be looking ahead to uh this weekend's women's uh, rugby world cup quarter final action and also the first tests first two tests sorry of the november international window which will see uh australia visit murrayfield in scotland and the all blacks uh make a quick stop in uh japan prior to uh their series of tests in Europe in November. So yeah, um lots to look forward to this weekend, obviously with the Women's World Cup and those two tests and uh ongoing URC action and so on so forth. But anyway, um also what we'll be doing over on the podcast, in addition to the TV page, I'm afraid that pressures of work have kind of uh, meant that the actual blog side of things has taken a bit of a, a back seat um, and given the pressures of work as well and trying to watch all this rugby and so on and so forth, um, I won't be doing as I have in the past sort of um, previews of all the games coming up in the Auto- Autumn Nations uh, window with the added. Um, bonus now of us having to look forward to the quarterfinals the semifinals and obviously the final the women's world cup so there's just too much to do so probably what i'm going to be doing is uh, kind of like a, a twist on this theme where not quite a weekly wrap-up but i'll be doing um a sort of a five talking points that struck me uh looking to the week ahead so that's going to be a regular feature over on the blog starting this week but anyway, enough of that, on to uh, today's business with the podcast and looking backwards and forwards in terms of the Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. Um, interesting, this last kind of round of pool stages in many ways uh, with New Zealand, uh, England and Canada already having qualified after round two. Um, and in a way, some kind of one-sided matchups um it it wasn't uh it wasn't perhaps the most interesting of weekends of the tournament so far and i don't say that in any disrespect to any of the teams or any of the matches uh played there were some entertaining matches make make no mistake um i thought australia wales uh lived up to its billing it was a particularly closely fought contest um and, yeah, um, good good game. New Zealand, Scotland, you know, my heart had to really go out for the Scots. And, you know, it's really sad that they, they didn't go any further in this tournament because, you know, they their first two games, they played hard. They played competitively. Um, but New Zealand was always going to be a bridge too far for them. Um, but all credit to them. You know, right up until the 80th minute, those girls fought. They never gave up. And, you know, I think the 57-0 scoreline doesn't really reflect the bravery and commitment of those Scottish girls. So, you know, sad for them that it ended up in an exit and a bit of a hiding. But um, all credit and respect to them for, you know, fighting until the 80th minute um, and giving us, you know, some some good rugby during this tournament. You know very much the same kind of vein uh with france fiji um that was really always gonna be you know pretty much a foregone conclusion again another another large score line with no points scored by the opposition 44 nil um but you know again thank you fiji you you you've given us some glorious rugby during this tournament um and, you know, I think, you know, and I would say the same for Scotland. You know, it's only onwards and upwards here in terms of your game. Um, you made a statement to the world that, that you're here um, and need to be taken seriously. And you will only be bigger and better in the next tournament. So so credit to Fiji. Um, Japan, Italy, that was an interesting one. Um, I thought, again, some real improvement from the Japanese. Um, and, uh, you know, Italy... Italy certainly cementing their their place in terms of the of the women's rugby landscape Um, you know they didn't thrash the Japanese it wasn't a high scoring game it wasn't perhaps in some ways the best of the games we've seen but um, again you know credit to both sides but obviously Italy through to the quarters Um, you know Canada looking pretty good number two seed going into the uh, draw for the quarterfinals Um, tough game against the u.s we're going to talk about that in a minute um and ironically they now face the u.s again back to back in the quarterfinals i got a few concerns about that um but uh in terms of canada's uh you know further involvement in the tournament uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute but it was a good game um a good performance overall from canada but uh, definitely, uh, the tackle there was there were far too many missed tackles. Um, yeah, Canada's really got to get on top of that um, ahead of not just their quarterfinal fixture with the u s, but um, as it is, they're likely to be playing um, should they get through the this weekend's quarterfinal against the USA, which they should uh, on paper. Um, they will have to face England most likely in a semifinal. and that uh that tackle success rate uh which was was poor um they've got to get on top of that 34 missed tackles you do that against england and it's game over um so yeah there there was a, a couple of things i thought the handling errors were also um pretty pretty concerning uh continuing a theme there from canada um but definitely that uh that lack of success in the tackle department um we got to fix that and we got to fix that fast um anyway we will talk about that in a bit of a uh, in a moment but you know certainly some fantastic performances from from the Canadian girls um I thought uh Alex Tessier had a great job um at fly half uh along with Justin Peltier coming into the squad um, I thought Alicia Corrigan at center was a revelation. Um, as was uh Sarah Kelju- Keljuvi, really, really good from those two. Um, and Paige Ferries and Maddie Grant out on the wings looked really good. Emily Totosi, you know, scores yet another try. Uh, the woman is a machine. Um, but yeah, lots to, to feel good about there. Uh, pretty solid performance from the forwards. Um, obviously to Goody uh, leading from the front as captain and in the thick of everything. So, you know, uh, lots of positives, but um, as we go now into the business end of the tournament, uh, a few alarm bells ringing for me with uh, that tackle tackle count and some of the handling errors. We really, really got to tighten that up dramatically. Um, but yeah, otherwise good, good performance from Canada. They can feel good about that. And then, you know, again, another, you know, another 75, you know, n- nil thrashing by England of South Africa, you know, South Africa, Fiji, um, and Scotland, all, you know, the, the teams that exited uh, the tournament, all failing to to get points on the board. Uh, again, I felt really sorry for South Africa. They've had a good tournament. They've, they've shown some real enterprising uh, rugby. Um, I think you know. Hopefully, just like Fiji, um, the World Rugby um, is going to get behind South African uh, women's rugby and support it. So we're going to see more of of the the women's Springboks teams. And uh, I think again, like Fiji, it's only onwards and upwards for for them as well. And hopefully, you know, a growing uh, support base at home back in South Africa. But yeah, England kind of ran away with it. Um, so yeah, like I say overall that third round of pool matches it was in a way kind of predictable the outcomes um with the in in many ways almost uh the quarterfinals being decided um just a few variables more to, to see how you know the Australia Wales um and Italy Japan games played out but it wasn't yeah it, in terms of of interest level, perhaps it was slightly diminished from what we've seen in the first two rounds, but uh, setting up some pretty tasty quarterfinals. So on that note, one of the things I have done, um, as everybody knows, last week I had a look at some of the statistics, Um, well actually only one of the statistics, and that was I focused on the goal kicking uh, issue in this tournament and how it, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of you know sadly left a lot of points uh, out there uh points gone begging for all the teams so i had a breakdown of that for the first two rounds and now with the eight teams that are going through into the quarterfinals i've kind of had an overall look at at how they're shaping up statistically so starting off from uh the goal kicking issue which like i say for the first two rounds it was a 40 success rate um, at goal kicking with uh, the French being the most successful at 91%. But yeah, it's it's pretty poor. And I was interested to see if those statistics changed at all in in the third round, Um, and they did to 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 a certain degree. Um, France still remains the most successful team uh, at kicking between the posts. But it was interesting after the game against Fiji, their 91% success rate has now over the three matches dipped to to 78%. But they're they're still leading the pack Um, with, interestingly enough, uh, Wales being the second most successful team uh, at at goal kicking success. And that's followed up by um, England um, with 63%. And then the U.S., uh, interestingly enough, um, at 56%. New Zealand managed to dig themselves out of a bit of a hole in the goal-kicking department this weekend. They've, they're they now ranked of the, if you look at, say, the eight quarter finalists, they're ranked sixth with a 47% success record. Um, and uh, Italy uh, is in fifth. And uh, Australia seventh. And unfortunately, Canada brings up the rear with a 36% success rate uh, at kicking between the posts over three matches. So, yeah, you know, a little bit of an alarm bell ringing there going into uh, the quarterfinals. Um, you know, we're up against the US, who has a bit of a better uh, success rate than we do. And then certainly going into the semis, with our most likely opponent being England, um, yeah, that's that's a little bit concerning. So, yeah, it was interesting to see how those statistics shifted after, after round three. But looking ahead and forwards to the quarterfinals uh, and the eight teams, i kind of looked at five statistics um, to get an idea of where the teams stand in terms of their relative strengths so i looked at lineout success uh scrum success uh ruck success and tackle success and obviously we've just talked about goal kicking success and lastly meters made and yeah it 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 shows some some interesting uh patterns I think from a Canadian point of view, um, looking ahead to the quarterfinals, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not overly thrilled that we didn't really have um, a really big test against somebody like France or New Zealand or England in the pool stages. Um, I'm not saying our pool was easy. That is not what I am saying. Um, But we... I'm not sure we've been tested to the level we need to be tested. And I'm not sure that finishing second in the seedings going into the quarterfinals really reflects where we're at. Um, and I, as a result, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that our quarterfinal opponent is somebody we've already played before. Um, I would have preferred to see us play somebody like, like Wales or, or even Australia. I think that would have been much better preparation for a most likely semi-final against against England. Um, Because let's let's make no mistake about this. Um, England looked like, along with New Zealand, the the team to beat with France possibly being the wild card. Um, Actually, I don't think France possibly being the wild card. I think France are the wild card. It's just... um, have france got the ability to take down either the 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 black fern or the the red rose juggernaut i think certainly think the potential is there make no mistake about it but when you look at those three uh and the the level that they're playing at i'm not a hundred percent sure that that canada's there um and while we should win this quarterfinal against the u.s relatively comfortably um yeah, I just I have concerns about some of the, the areas where we're weak and how they will potentially really get exposed by a side like England. Anyway, um, we don't know until the final whistle, so let's cross that bridge when we get to it. And as I say, you know, I say all of these things in no disrespect to to the Canadian ladies. I think they've done a fantastic job. I'm hugely proud of them. And I'm, you know, I think they are very honest about where they see their weaknesses and what they need to address. And I'm sure in the next two weeks, there is going to be 110% effort to do so. And we have a good team, let's face it. You know, we're not ranked third in the world um, for no reason. So, but yeah, some some deep digging is going to have to be done in the next two weeks. It's certainly possible. Um, I think we have the personnel to do it. Um, but yeah, definite, definite work ons. So let's have a look at some of these stats. Um, so basically what I t- did is take the eight, quarterfinalists uh, quarter finalists and, um, how they performed over the three pool matches and what their, their averages were. So when you look at lineout success rate, um, it's interesting. And here's some really good news for Canada. Um, and a big shout out to Emily Totosi at, at Hooker. Uh, I think she's had a huge part to play in this success. But yeah, um, Canada leads the lineout success rate at 94%. So we are the most successful team in the competition to date um, in terms of lineout tied along with New Zealand, who is also looking pretty phenomenal in that department. So then you may say, well, uh, you seem concerned about our semi final opponent, um, uh, England, most likely. How are they doing? Well, they're, they're third. Their success rate is 92%. Interestingly enough, the Welsh uh, are the second most successful uh, line out operators after New Zealand and Canada. Um, so, again, you know, that's one of the reasons I would have maybe preferred to see us have a go at the Welsh in a quarterfinal as a, as, as preparation for, for somebody like England, but there you have it. So yeah, those are your top four uh, in terms of the lineout success is uh, Canada, New Zealand in first place, um, England, third, Wales, fourth. Uh, sorry, England, New, uh, New Zealand and Canada, first, Wales, second, England, third uh, Australia is the fourth most successful team in terms of lineout success followed by the French who I had thought were actually better. Um, but yeah, they're only managing an 82% success rate. Um, Italy are behind them at 71 um, with the USA really struggling at line out time. Um, so they've definitely got to, some work to do ahead of this weekend. They've only got a 69% success rate. So yeah, um, but good news for Canada. You can feel pretty happy with the, uh, our work at the lineup. Then moving along, I I broke down the scrum success rate over uh the three matches and um, once again, good news for Canada. So, you know, what what I'm getting from this is, you know, upfront and physically, Canada Canada is 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 in a good driving position, make no mistake about it. So, yeah, scrum uh leading this the most successful uh, team so far in the competition in terms of scrum success is Canada, 93%. Um, interestingly enough, very closely followed by their opponents this weekend, the US. Um, so, you know, credit to the US. They've, they've got a good scrum and it's working well. They're they're in second spot at 92%. Um, with, interestingly enough, Australia, your third ranked most successful uh, scrum team at scrum time. Um, and that's followed up by the French. Um, interestingly enough, the, the two really big hitters in terms of the, what many people see as the potential final England and New Zealand, uh, England only ranks fifth at 82% and New Zealand pretty poor, only 71%. Now, uh, this weekend they had like a hundred percent success record against the Scots. Um, but overall New Zealand seemed to be a bit under the pump at scrum time, only a 71% success rate. Um, England, I say, eighty-two percent. Um, Wales are the, the the team that's the least successful at scrum time. They only manage a fifty-six percent scrum rate success rate, so they're really creaking at scrum time. Um, but yeah, um, and Italy in kind of in, a, in woeful shape um, at fifty-nine percent. Um, so yeah, but uh, definitely your top three there, uh, Canada. The, uh the usa australia and uh france in fourth so that's that's the top echelon of the scrum success rate in terms of rucks, again it it paints a very positive picture of canada's physicality um the most successful team uh ruck wise in terms of ruck success is the black ferns new zealand coming in at a phenomenal 99 that's a pretty impressive statistic over three matches uh, 99% success rate at, at the Ruck, um, But, you know, good for us in, in Canada. Uh, we come in uh, in second place at 97%. So we're right behind New Zealand in that regard. But I think what is really interesting, looking across the statistics for the eight teams in terms of Ruck success, it's all pretty high. Um, all of these teams are managing a 90% success rate. So... Uh, as I say, your third best team is, is Australia at 96, um, followed up by England at 95%. And then uh, Italy and France tied in fifth at 94% with the USA at 93. And uh, Wales, unfortunately, a bit kind of mirroring their success at scrum time, only managing 90%. Uh, tackle success rate. This is a very, uh, important statistic, and this is one which is alarming for Canada. Uh, I see a big red flashing light here, and I really hope in the next two weeks, uh, the coaching staff can really get on top of this with the team because it is, uh, definitely, um, unquestionably our, our Achilles heel. The most successful, uh, team in terms of tackle success is New Zealand at 91%. That's followed by a no surprise given what I think is a very sound defensive structure, France coming in at 88% in second place. And that ironically is also followed up by Italy is it right behind them at 87%. So the Italians are tackling like demons. Um, and in fourth place is, uh, Ironically, Wales. Um, so their physicality may be falling off the boil at uh, in the set pieces, but in terms of tackle success, not too bad at 86%. And then you got a whole bunch of teams uh, sitting in fifth, all tied. So the USA, Australia, and England, interesting enough, are all at 82%. So they're all like kind of fifth place in terms of tackle su- success. Um, but Canada, 79%. We're the bottom of the table in tackle success. And you know it's interesting if we do play uh, England in a semi-final well they're not doing that much better than we are at only 82 percent um but it's still it's still a concern and after watching that U.S game some definite uh work-ons need to be made there and then lastly I looked at meters made uh and here it's yeah it's it's kind of eye-opening viewing uh New Zealand are way ahead of the pack in the in their three pool matches they've made 2539 meters that is insane um that's an average of 846 meters per game that's phenomenal um and then going back to my concerns about Canada's tackle rate right behind them uh by a bit of a margin I would say but nevertheless pretty significant Right behind them are England, who have made 2,052 meters over three matches, which is an average of 684 uh, meters per game. So they're they're sitting in, in second. Um, your third team, uh, interestingly enough, is Italy. Uh, they've made uh, 1,691 meters, which is an average of about 564. So that's pretty respectable per match. Um, they're followed then... Um, by which and here's a, here's a good thing, followed by us. Uh, Canada sits in fourth with 1481 meters made over three matches, which is an average of about 494 close to 500 meters a, a game. So you know we're technically only about 100 and 180 meters um, behind England per match, but it is significant and given our, our issues with tackle success, that that could be concerning later on. And then going down the pack, no surprises. Australia come in at fifth with 1,287 meters. Um, And you have, interesting enough, the French. I thought this would have been higher. The French are only uh, sixth in terms of meters made. They've got 1,263 meters over three matches, which is 421 per game. And then that's, uh, lastly, it's uh, the USA and then poor old Wales uh, holding up the a paltry 843 meters over um, three games, which is only 281 meters a game. That's not particularly high. And the U.S. is just 1,100 and won 367. So, yeah, some interesting statistics. Um, I I think Canada will get through their quarterfinal. But, you know, I think definitely there's a lot of work-ons for the team in the coming weeks. Uh, Looking ahead to what is the most likely scenario, a semifinal with red hot favorites, uh, England. But, you know, New Zealand pulling up their bootstraps at a rate of knots. And France, France, the smoking gun. Um, You know, I think defensively that French unit is going to be pretty hard to break down. So, yeah, we shall see. So that's it um, for the women's game. Uh, I've got three minutes to wrap up uh, everything else that's happening in the rugby world. Um, so uh, URC, two cancellations this weekend. Uh, the sharks were uh, unable to play their match with Glasgow and Ulster. Um, unable to uh, play their game uh, with, the, sorry, Ulster unable to play the sharks and Glasgow unable to play the lions due to a stomach virus. Um, we saw some interesting encounters. I thought that Benetton game lived up to the hype I had for it, but, uh, the bulls kind of took over in the second, second half and, you know, really spirited performance for Benetton for a good chunk of the game. And then all of a sudden the wheels just fell off a uh, really feisty encounter between, uh, Leinster and Munster. Um, those games are always just, Such gritty, intense affairs. But, yeah, uh, the end of the weekend sees Leinster keep their spot uh, unbeaten so far at the top of the table. Ulster, despite uh, forfeiting the match, well, not them forfeit, I think it's just been postponed, but not being able to play this weekend sits in second. The Bulls uh, getting that final win on tour has uh, bumped them back into third place. Um, And the Stormers fifth. Uh, Edinburgh sorry the Stormers fourth Edinburgh fifth and Cardiff uh six looking pretty good as well there um so yeah not not too shabby the you know the Cardiff getting a pretty handy win over the Stormers um so that uh that's good for them in the English Premiership I didn't get to watch any of it but table staying relatively the same Saracens, Sale, Exeter and Gloucester the top four teams with Northampton Harlequins uh Uh, chasing them hard as well. And then over in the top 14, um, you have Toulouse, Stade Francais, La Rochelle, Toulon, Lyon, and Clermont, and Castres, all in that order in the top seven. So that's it for this week. Uh, Like I say, uh, quarterfinals, don't miss a moment of it. It's all on TSN. There will be another podcast later in the week. Looking forward to that. Um, And obviously your two internationals, uh, Japan, New Zealand, Australia, Scotland, uh, Australia, Scotland is available on DAZN. It's also available on flow sports rugby in the U S and premier sports Asia with only the, uh, flow, flow sports rugby showing the Japan, um, New Zealand game. So yeah, details of that to come on the TV page and I'm going to sign off for now and talk to you later in the week. Take care, everyone.